0: Well, I should have watched the announcements because I wouldn't have come up 15 seconds into it knowing it was four and a half hours long. But uh, anyway, before we start, uh, I noticed several hands that were raised when Pastor Carol was praying that didn't get seen. And I just want you to know that you're not responding to him. He's responding to the Holy Spirit, and if you raise your hand, you can join your faith with whoever he was praying for and receive the same thing. Uh, So don't be discouraged. Actually, it's more fun if you get healed anyway in spite of that, because then you know how special you are. And uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. We're going to veer a little bit off of the book of John, Uh, not completely, but this is kind of a positioning service to... uh, get ready for the rest of John and hopefully to put you in a different position than you have been up until now. Uh, I tried to come up with three points and a conclusion, but I ended up with four movements and a finale. (laughs) And we won't be landing a plane because that's way too smooth. We're going to be docking a boat. All All right. So we'll eventually get there uh i think we'd all agree that 2024 is a pivotal critical possibly one of the most eventful years in human history Uh, definitely locally and nationally but even in the world stage uh, there's this churning always and um it's been on my heart for several weeks how can i navigate the world situation, and yet stay steadfast and not be moved, and that's why the title is affected but not moved. And so we're going to dig into some things, some ways I believe God has given us to not be, to not be moved. Uh, Jesus said we have to be engaged, and typically when we we aren't moved, it's because we unengaged. <clears throat> so we don't want to be bothered, we don't want to be hurt, we don't want to be. Uh, bothered at all. So we just pull away and we view circumstances and we give our two cents worth to whoever will listen. We find a few people who will agree so that we feel better about our analysis and then we go on about life. And uh, I really believe that right now is the time to position ourselves in a way that we actually have an impact. We we know it's coming. We're growing up uh, into who we're supposed to be, not just Pulling prayers out of the uh, promise box and praying them, and expecting that to really change anything, and it's impossible not to be affected if you're watching anything, hearing anything, listening to anything. Uh, it's it's a constant bombardment, and and I was in uh, I was in Africa last week, and was doing a pastors and leaders seminar for a few days, and. Uh, the one thing that, that kept coming up is they're feeling the same thing. They're like, "What's going to happen? What's happening?" And it's this like it's like a calm, you know, before a summer storm. It, it kind of gets calm and then it hits, uh, and it feels like that. Or, uh, you know, a, a better analysis would be like the movie Gladiator, where. You know, right before they go to fight, there's this preparation time and this quiet settling. And so that's what it seems to feel like. And um, so the first point, the first movement is you have to be settled with the fact that you're here at the right time. Okay, I talked to some people and they said, "Uh, man, I wish I wasn't born during these times. I wish I was born 100 years ago. And I said, well, there's two problems. One is you'd be dead. And the other is that what you were created for wasn't available. It, it didn't exist. So you would be bored. So you'd be dead and bored, which is not a great way to expand a kingdom. You know, I can imagine Jesus going to the Father going, I've got a bunch of dead and bored ones. What do you want me to do? He goes, well, you don't have to kill them. They're already not moving. They're just laying there. Um, but we're created for these days. You're not an accident. That's right. Everything that has happened to now is to prepare you for what's coming. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not a gloom. Please don't hear me. I am not gloom and doom. Right. There is nothing but hope That's right. and nothing but victory for those that are in Christ. It, we don't know what that victory, the path that it takes, but it is ultimately victory. Right. And if you can learn to live in that, You have something to offer because really we're only here to build and advance the kingdom of God until He comes back. If He comes back, we'll be gone with Him. If we don't make it till He gets here, someone else will take over. That's just the way it works. It's never one generational, it's never, we know that here. We're very multi generational, it's always a progression and it grows. Uh, But you. God knew where you were going to be born. He knew where you were going to be living. Um, and in Jeremiah 1.5, I'll just run through some verses so it'll give it some biblical validity. Jeremiah 1.5, he says, when you were in the womb, I knew you. I knit you together. Uh, Psalm 139.16, which I, I really like this verse. It says, your eyes saw my unformed body. This is NIV. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be in other words he saw it all he's like okay shannon this is your time and he saw all the days that doesn't mean everybody lives all their days he has them in his book and we have an opportunity to live all our days Uh, also in ephesians 2 10 it says we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them all right, and I used to, when I go on a mission trip, people would always come up and go, uh, I'm going to pray that you have divine appointments. And I'm like, awesome. Everybody likes divine appointments. But a few trips ago, this verse really started ringing in my ears, and I started saying, okay, instead of doing that, why don't you pray that I don't miss them? They've already been prepared beforehand. And what I found out is in the last two trips, all of my time, has been on purpose. It's been intentional. People I meet, people I'm talking to, it's like everything is intent, it's divinely appointed, but it's not easy. You know, 40 hours on planes and trains and automobiles is not easy, uh, but it's all purposeful. And um, so probably the last two trips have been the most fruitful in the last several years. Because every time I have left, it's, it's left something that's building, and I'm going to come back to it. In other words, it's going to keep, keep growing. And so you are here at the right time. Whatever sphere of society you're working in, that's where you're supposed to be. Uh, he's got a call. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got his spirit in you, and he wants to connect with the rest of the world that's around your world. Like most of us, uh, should not be in full-time ministry, sec- or in a like a positionally. We're all in full-time ministry all the time. You are creating disciples. It's just a question of which kind of disciple you're creating, and we'll evaluate it as they come around. <laughs> we'll be like, oh, that wasn't very good. <laughs> but but without without establishing and being comfortable with the fact that you're here at the right time that there's nothing surprising him, you'll never be able to be affected and not moved. Because you'll always question, why am I here now? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Okay, Movement number two. I don't know if that's, is this how you do like a, a symphony or a something? Okay, the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles 12, Thirty-two. It says, the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. Issachar was one of the 12 tribes. There were different amounts of populations at different places where it's recorded. So at first, I think they're mentioned they got 54,000, somewhere else it's 70 or 80,000 of them and whatever. Just keeps going up in chronicles 12 this is where david's putting together his his captains of his army and he intentionally pulls 200 from this tribe because they had understandings of the time and they knew what to do so it wasn't just that they evaluated the time they understood and they would tell israel what to do and they would have great success there's a huge difference between knowing understanding and if you just know about the times it will make you fearful because you're viewing them from out here and you're just watching this movie and it makes you scared why wouldn't it we have no control over all any of this and it doesn't look good so if all you do is know about the times you become fearful and you basically disengage the enemy doesn't care how he disengages you, just so you're disengaged. And you have no input and uh, because you don't understand what is happening. You see it, but you're not understanding what it is that he's trying to say. You're perceiving and not getting a change in perspective. Okay, that's the two words we're gonna use. Perception versus perspective. perspective. <laughs> say that a hundred times I think I have this week (laughs) you won't do anything because fear paralyzes and you'll just sit there and that's what we've done primarily um, over the last thirty plus years And, uh, and I'm not indicting the church I hate when people say the church I just mean we have basically pulled out of society watched the events hunkered down stored food Hurry up and come back. I mean, and that's just not really in the Bible that way. Right. At least not what the one I have. Uh, and there's, but if, if all you're doing is ev- watching, you'll make positive declarations. You'll pull out promises from God, and then you'll be frustrated when He doesn't do them. And that's your attempt at, at trying to evaluate what's happening. there's nothing wrong with positive declarations. We should do them at the right time. But at some point, we have to mature beyond just wanting the blessings of God. And we have to say, not my will, but your will. And it it takes, we have to just grow up. And there's nothing wrong, please hear me, there's nothing wrong with the blessings of God. And He loves lavishing things on you and overwhelming you. There's plenty of scripture that says His blessings will overtake you. There beyond what you can imagine. But when you're nine years old at your birthday party, you got one thing on your mind. What did I get? When you're 29 at your birthday party, hopefully that's not what you're thinking. You might be thinking, hey, these guys came over here to have a party with me. They're awesome. Okay, we have to grow, we can't keep treating God like we're having a nine-year-old birthday party because we're not nine anymore. It's time to step into what he wants, which means what I want, is secondary. It's never about me. It's about what he wants, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. And Judith hates it when I say this, but I mean this with all my heart. I don't care. He can do whatever he wants. And it's not going to change the way I do life. And so you end up standing around debating prophetic timelines. That's productive. Since nobody's been able to solve that for 2,000 plus years, I'm not sure why we think we can. Um, talking about time, it's talking about times. I can look at a prophetic timeline and have absolutely no understanding of what's supposed to be happening during this time because I'm perceiving it I don't have a perspective on it, and I know what you're thinking. I need an example, so I've got a highly technical example, all right? I'm offended. I worked on that. Actually, I did, and I said, hey, Marcy, can you find me a slide with a circle and a rectangle? Okay. If I said what's up there, you would say a circle and a rectangle because I know you're a highly educated group. But that's all you would see, okay? Now perspective, if you'll throw the other slide up there, is a cylinder, which when you put the cylinder this way, it looks like a rectangle. When you turn it on its end, it looks like a circle. But it's actually a cylinder. So perception evaluates externally what's going on but you're not engaged in it so when i have perspective and i say oh that's a cylinder now i know i can turn it i know what it is a 2d versus a 3d model where when god's moving the children of issachar remember them they had understanding they had perspective that perspective perspective <laughs> told them what to do okay if all you're doing is perceiving you're never gonna know what to do and so you're here we, we've established that you're here at the right time and now you're just a spectator well that doesn't do any good either does that make a little bit of sense I'll, I'll put it in a practical example I was in a meeting just a couple weeks ago and I'm familiar with most of these people in the meeting, so I kind of know who they are and how they are. And uh, one person, which I will not name, made three really snippy, uh, just kind of zingers towards other people. You know, made made some kind of a joke. And you know, most jokes usually have enough truth in them that that's how you get the reaction. Uh, and I remember thinking, wow, those people are being really gracious, because I don't know if God was just showing me something, which maybe He was so I could do this today, or if, um, or if they were just oblivious to what was being said, because I was like, those are serious zingers. And there was three in succession to three different people in the room. Not one person reacted. If you're viewing it from the side... It looks like, wow, that guy's being really sarcastic. When you have understanding of what's going on, my thought was, he's really hurt. What's going on with him? You see the difference? Perception just views. Perspective puts you in place to be able to do something about it. You get God's heart for the situation and step into it. And uh, I never went to him. Because I didn't hear any more. But if I hear it again, whoever you are, I am going to talk to you. Uh, now, we all have bad days. Don't don't get weird on me. I'm just saying, when you're, when you're, I'm trying to position you so that when you're looking at events, you're evaluating them from a, pers- a perspective of God and not the perception that you've put together. And they're two different things. And they cut me off? Oh. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's serious. Um, so it's, the practical example is there's, there's always something underneath everyone's actions. Right. And that's what God's after. If you remember, Jesus never answers questions by just directly talking to the person about that question. He always throws in the, the real reason of the question which would be maddening if you're trying to slide through. You know, if you're just trying to give him an offhanded remark and he keeps digging at you, you like, Ugh, I'm gonna quit talking to you. <laughs> All right, so you're, suppo- you're here at the right time. You're being trained, have been trained, will be trained for whatever's coming. Right. And we're to be like the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times and they knew what to do because there is coming a day we're, we're going to need more than to know what's happening. We're going to do. We're gonna need to know what to do. Okay, movement three. The tribe of Issachar was also known for wisdom. That was, if you read the history on them, they were known as a people of wisdom. And we are supposed to get wisdom. And Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing... Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Okay? Get understanding why, so you'll know what to do. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously or liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, what I find interesting is later in James, in chapter 3, James three. 14 and 15, it says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And that wisdom, the word wisdom, is the exact same word used in James 1.5, which means wisdom has two sources, God or the earth, flesh, the devil. Which I had not thought about, and then in three seventeen he says, "The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy." Okay, and then every time wisdom is mentioned, it's the same word. The difference is the source of where the it is. Earthly wisdom appeals to your soul. It, it comes to your mind, will, and emotions. And, it, and the big issue with it is it seems reasonable. But it denies truth. And anytime you deny the truth, because when I read the, the verse in chapter 3, I thought, well, I don't have any envy or self-seeking in my heart. And then whenever you deny the truth, you have envy and self seeking in your heart because what you've done is you've elevated yourself above God. You now have become the primary, He's secondary. And He's not willing that He's not going to share that. Um, so, anytime that you deny the truth, you do have envy and self seeking in your heart and you elevate above God. And what happens then is there is no grace to go through what you're fighting with. Because any time you have self-seeking in your heart, you're walking in pride. And God is very clear in the book of James also. He comes against the proud. He resists them. But he gives grace to the humble. If you're going to walk in earthly wisdom, he is going to resist you everywhere you go. It's not loving for him to allow you to continue to operate in that and him bless it because you'll think you were right. So we have to drop that earthly wisdom and get the grace so that you can go through whatever it is you've got to go through. And earthly wisdom can only give you perception, it cannot give you any perspective. Because that lies with God. What's really happening? The perception is everybody can read that. That's earthly. And um, the disciples didn't get it. And why didn't they get it? Not because they weren't good people, or bad, or because they were bad people. It's just they just couldn't get it because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. But we have the Holy Spirit. And so earthly wisdom only functions in the soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And you, you cannot grasp what God is doing. You may walk into it by accident, but you can't grasp it. And in, remember in 4.7 of Proverbs, it says, In all you're getting of wisdom, get understanding. The only way to get understanding is to get God's perspective so you know what that wisdom is for. Otherwise, it just sounds good when you talk to people, but nothing happens behind you. And people will say, well, yeah, it's always fun talking to them, but they're never sure why it's fun. It's just they say good things. And earthly wisdom is how we've gotten into debates about the deity of Christ, whether or not abortion is okay, homosexual lifestyle and endorsement are in the church because of earthly wisdom. It sounds reasonable, it sounds loving, and it's anti-kingdom. But God's kingdom is loving and is reasonable, okay? That's how, the, that's how the enemy mimics it. It's so easy to grab it because it, it works so well and requires absolutely nothing of you. You just have it. So you're not here by accident. And we're to get understanding, not just knowledge, the right perspective, not just perception. We're supposed to use godly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. So we'll know what to do. And now movement four, I want to look at the disciples with Jesus, and then we'll uh, get into a few things on how they, to kind of make this practical so you know what what we're talking about. this is Jesus with the disciples in Mark 8. They had just fed the 4,000. You remember the story. They did it with seven loaves and a few fish, and now they're arguing uh, on the boat who should have brought bread. Okay, So they've just had this amazing miracle. They're going across. Jesus mentions, don't, you know, don't allow the leaven of, the, of Herod and the Pharisees, which is basically don't allow the religious spirit, or the political spirit in and they're thinking ah, you were supposed to bring the bread he's mad again because it's your fault and that's that's their discussion all right so in Mark 8:18, 8, Jesus says to them he says having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember by the time we get to Mark 8, Jesus has already done this list, at least this list, in front of his disciples. In Mark 1, he, he cast out demons. He healed Peter's mother in law. In Mark 2, paralyzed man and a deaf mute. Mark 2, Mark 7. He healed a withered hand. Mark 3, he calmed the storm. Mark 4, he walked on water. Mark 6, John 6. Fed 5,000, Mark 6. Fed 4,000, Mark 7, John 6. And he healed a blind man and a deaf mute in Matthew 9. And that's just a few of the miracles he did that they recorded. All right, so these guys have been watching this over and over and over again. And we know that there was a lot more than that. And they had seen him with power over Satan, power over sickness, power over nature. I mean, it, it would be pretty remarkable to—I would join a ministry like that just to <laughs> just to watch it. Um, and at the end, he says, "You you have <clears throat> you have eyes and you're not seeing. This is Mark eight eighteen. You have ears and you're not hearing. Can you not remember?" And so here's the question for you. What have you seen in your life? What have you seen? Where has God been active in your life? Because they were perceiving what was happening, but they had no perspective on what it meant because he was trying to tell them, look, there's a kingdom coming that doesn't look anything like this. And they kept demonstrating it and demonstrating it and demonstrating it and demonstrating it. And they kept watching and watching and watching, and they never got the perspective. And I know they possibly could have, because later he sends the 72 out, or 70, depending on the commentary. And when they come back, what do they say? Wow, even the demons are subject to you, to your name. So they were starting to get it. So it's not like they was, he was expecting something that couldn't be gotten, maybe it was expecting something that was a little hard for them because of where they were. <clears throat> but he's saying, but you can always remember. Okay? I remember the day I got saved. I remember interventions of God in my life different times over the years, and I can always remember that. Remembering begins to open your ears and your eyes as to the possibilities of what God can do. Because it begins to make you think, hey, he did this once. And maybe he can do it again. When I lived uh, years ago in in Belarus, it was a former Soviet Republic and had lots of issues with systems and it was hard to be there In, in the country we were at. They were going quickly back to communism, so doing religious work was next to impossible. Uh, We panicked and sent a flyer back to an intercession group, said, hey, you guys pray, what do we need to do? And they came back with Isaiah 58, which is basically uh, humanitarian work. And I won't go into the whole story, but uh, I had scheduled prayer and fasting for the staff and because when you're (coughs) doing… work in those countries stamps papers and everything are critical and uh, we were supposed to get this paper from a hospital it basically was a receipt saying that they'd received these goods Uh, the morning that we were going to have prayer and fasting i get a call from the hospital and they say we're not coming you have to come and get it like okay so being the great leader that i am i canceled prayer and fasting (laughs) went to the hospital because the headaches that this will cause are unbelievable. So I got it, came back, rescheduled another time about a month later, because you know, you got to gear up too fast. You don't want to do it too soon after the, you were thinking about doing it. And uh, same thing happened. They called, I canceled, they br- and I went and got it, you know. And then the third time it happened. The third time, I remember, They called, and the the translator said, hey, we got to go get it again. I said, and the Lord was very clear. He said, do not cancel again. So I told her, I said, I can't. She said, they're going to be really upset. I said, yeah, I know, but he's bigger. (laughs) He's going to be really upset if we do. And uh, it's really a bad place, you know, when everybody's upset. Uh, So we started praying. About an hour into it, get a knock on the door. And it was the hospital. And as soon as the paper hit my hand, I heard God say, you take care of my things and I'll worry about your things. Now, great story. It was a lot of fun. That was 30 years ago. (laughs) Since that time, there have been many situations in my travels where I have needed some serious help. It's like, uh, i got a problem here. Uh, And I'm an eternal optimist, so I figure if I'm breathing, i got a shot at it. But (laughs) I need help and every time that story has come back to my mind and i was like oh yeah i remember that time or i remember that time you you got a ride for me in a town nobody knew me and i didn't speak the language and they were looking for somebody and they found me and it and so when i remember those things when i'm in a difficult situation it sparks my eyes and ears to open spiritually so that I can get perspective on what he's doing. And then I can learn to figure out, okay, this is where he wants me positioned when this happens. You don't end up, you don't fall into being in the right place. You put yourself in the right place. Now you might occasionally, I guess. There's no absolutes. Um, And so over the years, that that has been a continual And so Jesus is is saying to him, look, I know you're not getting it, uh, but if you'll remember, it will will help you start to remember. Later in John uh, 14, he tells them, he says, "Uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come, the helper, and the, the Father will send him in my name. And he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. So that was the disciples. They were going to get it. Now, you have to understand, they were walking with Jesus every day. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, but they were with him. I mean, if if you're with him, I can do without the Holy Spirit because I'm with him. You know, if you've got a question, you go ask him. He's teaching all the time. You get the point. Uh, But in John 16, he says, uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And if you're sitting in their shoes, and they've been used to going to him with every question and, and fighting over all the things they fought over, and then he looks at them and says, Oh, by the way, it's going to be better if I leave. And they're like, uh, We left everything. How's it going to be better when you're not here? Well, I'm going to send you a little copy of me, a mini-me. It's going to be in you. He's going to help you remember everything. No frame of reference for them. We have a frame of reference. They have none. They're thinking, I've left everything. And, you know, if you ever think about it, there must have been something in the way he spoke because they left everything when he just said, follow me. And they weren't even saved said follow me and they're like okay <laughs> yeah. and now the one that they left everything for so I, I don't want I'm trying to let you know that this was serious to them they had given everything for him and now he's saying you know, I'm out And but I'll send someone so it, it wasn't an easy time uh, and I'm sure if you're sitting in your shoes you're, at, you're wanting to to know, hey, how's it going to get better? Um, he says, if I don't go, he won't come. That's Mark 2:22, And no one puts old, new wine into old wineskins because it'll burst. And this is really what, I, what I'm after here for the whole, all the movement. He's basically saying, I'm going to go and send back a version of myself that he'll live on the inside and bring all things to your remembrance. What is the new wine? Think with me. What's the new wine of that story? It's the Holy Spirit is now available to everybody. It's now personal. What's the new wine skin? got to take it. You have to accept it. It's not a program. I've been in a lot of churches where we say, yep, God's going to do new things in new ways. We need need new wineskins. How are we going to set up this ministry or how are we going to set up that ministry? And it's not a ministry. It's what the disciples went through. The Holy Spirit's now coming to me. Am I going to accept it? Another example would be Peter when he's had the vision on the roof and he's looking and he's discussing with God about eating the animals. What's the new, what's the new wine there? God loves Gentiles. Imagine that. What's the new wine skin? Peter's going to have to accept it. And he does, and it's a, it's a great story. It's funny to read because it, I could see myself doing the same thing. Like, what am I supposed to do? God loves them too. But it's new wine and new wineskins means you have to change. The church does not need to change. Jesus left a perfect church. We need to change. When we change, we'll look like what he left and not our version of what he left. And after the Holy Spirit falls on them, In the book of Acts, you have no more discussion over who forgot bread. Because now, that essence, that life was in here and the bread didn't matter. And he's trying to get us to a place where the Holy Spirit comes into us and this doesn't matter. It's just stuff. And my job is to get his perspective so I know what to do to save people. To stand there and to be, to, to see, oh, I see God moving there, I'm going to go, regardless of what it looks like or regardless of what kind of earthly wisdom is coming at me to get me not to go. You know, I go to Ukraine quite, quite frequently and people will say, well, that's really dangerous, isn't it? And I'm like, I've never thought about it. You could say that's kind of naive. But I mean, in reality, if a bomb hits 100 feet from me, I'm probably going to be fine. It doesn't matter what's happening. If he's told me to go, I have to go. Because I now have that witness on the inside that I carry with me, and it gives me perspective. You need to go, this is what's going to happen, so that I can be about his plans and purposes. My perspective is always his will. My perception is irrelevant. As to what he, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And so, what's the point? As we continue looking at encounters with Jesus in the book of John, encounters with Jesus are supposed to cause an adjustment to you, not knowledge. It should take, you should look at a, an encounter and as the pastors get up here and and give you an encounter, you're invited to come into it and to uh, feel it. But if it leaves you the same, and I'm not going to say who it is, you have to evaluate yourself. If it leaves you the same, you have viewed it with earthly wisdom because it's impossible to encounter Jesus and not be changed because he's always after something. He doesn't just encounter you so we can have a big party. He encounters you because he's like, hey, we need to get at this. Let's get rid of this. I'm like, okay. Not 100 years old. Okay, still. There's plenty there. Um, But as you have these, the the goal is at the end of the book of John that we are able to stand. Are we going to be affected? Of course we're going to be affected. It involves everything around us, but we're not moved. Kind of like you get a mental picture of a stop sign in a flood. You ever see those pictures where they're showing on the news and the whole town's flooded, but the stop sign's just standing there? That's what it means to be affected but not moved. Okay, the water affects the stop sign, but it doesn't move it. And we have to be able to stand like that in these times. And you're here at the right time. You can have understanding and know what to do through the holy spirit you have access to godly wisdom and you are the new wineskin you are being prepared for his last move or the last move for our generation maybe another generation i always pray that there's more and that the church does not need to change i will guarantee you as we change this church will change right. Right. because it's only a reflection of who we are and we need that and encounters with jesus have caused adjustments all the time. And you were born for these times. This should be our exciting time. We shouldn't pull back. If you find yourself pulling back, ask the Lord, why am I why am I not getting godly wisdom? Why am I using earthly wisdom? And so lastly I just want you to know that there's no escape. So how's that for a There's no escape. You're in it to win it. Uh, You should enjoy the ride because uh, you're here. It's not not rocket science. Everything that that matters to God is very simple. It's just not always easy. But it's very simple. All right. Well, here's how I want to do the altar call. Um, We're going to do it a little different. We're going to first the worship team is going to sing over us and as they come let me pray lord i i thank you for your word i thank you for your spirit i thank you for your direction i thank you for your perspective i thank you for your understanding and i ask for all of that Uh, as we move forward i thank you that our lives are yours that they've got nothing to do with us i thank you that your perspective is always to redeem and to restore and to equip and to love and so i ask for that lord for all of us i ask that you would identify areas where we use earthly wisdom and not godly wisdom I ask that you would give us an understanding of the times, that you would adjust our perspective and show us where we're only settling for perception because it seems convenient, but we're not getting to the root issue. I thank you that you're going to remind us and show us that the Holy Spirit is active in our lives and in our daily routines because this is not where everything's happening. Everything happens out there. So, Lord, we need to be about your plans and purposes. We need to be about your perspective on everything out on those streets so that more and more people will come in to get to know you and that the Holy Spirit would move on people even right now to just lay it all down to just be done with some of these things that hold us back. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the book of John and the way you recorded your encounters with us and you bless us, but I want it to be more than stories. Lord, I ask that it's encounters that change us and mold us and make us and equip us into being the army that you created us to be. Thank you, Lord. So here's what we're gonna do. I want everybody to, (laughs) I'm setting you up. I want everybody to come forward that way I get a good picture for a newsletter. <laughs> Just kidding. I want you to come forward and stand right here if you can, if you're able. If you're not able, I understand it. If you don't want to do it or won't do it, I'll let you figure out in your own heart why. I could probably help you. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to, they're going to sing this chorus over us, um, and it's God speaking. And so while we're down here and they're singing over us, let's just be honest with him and say, you know what, I've missed it here, I've missed it there. There's, a, there's something I'm not getting because my life is not always on purpose. I don't have your perspective. I'm not following the Holy Spirit. I don't use your wisdom. And then just lay it all here while he's, while he's singing over us. Okay, so come on down. We have cameras to catch you if you want, and uh, I say it jokingly, but this is a holy moment. We're standing in front of God Almighty, and He's getting ready to sing over you and to speak to you about what's on His heart for the nations of the world, including ours. And He's going to, He's going to empower you to look honestly within yourself at all the areas where we've compartmentalized the gospel and removed it from real life in this area, in this area, in this area. We've used earthly wisdom to justify it and we have stood on it because there's a lot of people who will stand with us and there's no resistance. And he wants to break the resistance in us to just walk with him and to just follow him and to be with him and to see his heart for all people Because the only reason you're here, if you're saved, the only reason you're here is to help build and advance the kingdom. And if you're not doing that, you're sucking air. It's okay if you just want to do that. We'll care for you. But there's so much more. There's so much more he wants to do. And so much more he wants to do in and through you. And it's never about ministry. Your ministry is always secondary to what he's doing in you. Ministry will come out of your surrender. It doesn't come out of your preparation. Preparation's awesome, but your ministry comes out of surrender. And anything that doesn't come out of surrender will not survive the fire in Corinthians when it comes to see what kind of work it is, because it'll be mixed with you and him. So let's hear the Father's words as he speaks to us.